This is Late Night Health, the radio show that cares about the most important part of your life, your health. During the next oh, 10 or 12 minutes or so, we're going to spend some time with Dr. Robert Nagorny. We're going to be talking specifically about the upcoming Susan G. Komen Los Angeles County 7th Annual Metastatic Breast Cancer Conference, Creating Understanding One Community After Another. Uh, we're going to be spending some time with Dr. Robert Nagorny from the Nagorny uh, Cancer Institute. He will be giving the keynote address uh, at this uh, event that has just a wide variety of speakers and activities. And of course, one of the biggest things is it's going to be streamed live for free in the following languages, English, Spanish, Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, and Cambodian. It's going to be held on January 4th at the City of Hope in Duarte, California from 8.30 a.m. until 5 o'clock. We, uh, we talked to Dr. Nagorny a few years ago uh, regarding his book. And um, uh, I've got the name of the book buried here, Doctor. <laughs> what was the name of your book? I apologize. Uh, Outliving, Outliving Cancer. And w- will there be an update soon? Yes, actually, I think there will. That's good. Are we living more? Uh, people who have a cancer, are they, they have a better prognosis today than they did, say, even 10 years ago? Yeah, first of all, Mark, thank you for having me, and I'm honored to be uh, asked to speak at this upcoming Komen event. Uh, yes, to answer your question, uh, I think there has been progress. Um, cancer incidence, unfortunately, un, uh, continues to increase. And according to the World Health Organization's uh, looking toward 2050, there will be continued incidence of cancer. However, we are making progress, and particularly in select diseases like breast cancer, where the incidence uh, continues to rise slowly, but the survivals improve quite dramatically. What's causing it? I mean, I've, I've, we've talked to a lot of people from uh, alternative health to traditional medical, and they both seem to agree that it's, you know, our diet, lack of exercise, even our minds, what we're thinking. Uh, I could go on and on. Would you concur with that? Well, I think that cancer may be an end result of, of lifelong stressors, uh, that we encountered, we call them risk factors, but according to a paper we published in August of 18, we think that many patients uh, have predispositions to cancer, and to your point, um, we are all metabolic entities, we are all making and using energy, and our bodies are machines that are very, very nicely tuned. During the course of our lives, depending on what we do, we put stresses onto the machine. For example, in breast cancer, we now know women who become pregnant before 30 put a diminution in the stress on their breast tissues. Women who breastfeed lower the stressors on their uh, breast tissues. If you are obese, if you are exposed to a higher environmental hormone burden, you may put additional stressors on your cancer, on your tissues. So that cancer is a kind of cumulative event. And yes, all of these dietary, lifestyle, uh, life choices do influence uh, the outcome and uh, development and outcome of cancer. And of course, the Susan G. Komen Foundation uh, focuses on breast cancer. Is breast cancer uh, uh, 
Well, I know the answer is I'm thinking of the question, and that is that there's more and more women under the age of, say, 40 who are getting, who are, who are being um, diagnosed with, with breast cancer. Mm. Well, breast cancer itself in incidence is slowly rising, about 0.4% uh, per year uh, rise, but the survival has improved. Um, death rates from uh, cancer peaked uh, in about 1989 and have fallen quite nicely. And I, and I think that's partly a reflection of the application of mammography, earlier detection, uh, partly a reflection of the recognition that certain hormonal exposures, particularly the mixed estrogen progesterone formulations, had been increasing risk. And I think we've smartened up a bit. Now, um, yeah, cancer in the younger population, unfortunately, not just breast, but gastrointestinal cancers, particularly rectal cancers, are rising rapidly. Cancers of the gastroesophageal junction in young men rising rapidly. And these are probably lifestyle and environmental factors uh, playing into our, our pre-existing uh, frailties and, and predispositions. Now, from a standpoint of breast cancer, one of the reasons that the younger population had characteristically had a bad time with all this is because the younger population are at greater risk for triple negative. As you may be aware, there are different kinds of breast cancer. It's not just one disease. Right. And we now realize there are at least five separate subtypes. The, the types known as basaloid or the Claudin Lowe's uh, are really bad actors. And, and those ones that occur uh, much more commonly in black populations, up to, say, 20-plus percent in the uh, black population, in the younger population, look, the estrogen-negative tumors do uh, confront us with a more challenging disease. And that may be in part why we're so troubled by these young, young cancer instances and, and the poorer survivals. And I, I interviewed somebody within the last few years as a media sponsor of, of Komen, and she was like 28 or 29. I interviewed somebody else. She was in her early 30s and had a double mastectomy because she had the gene. And Right. Right. Is, can, can we talk about that for a second? Is that something that you sure. would recommend to a patient? Well, the issue is that, that we have been uh, very focused on the genetic basis of cancer, <clears throat> and there's been stunning breakthroughs using uh, expression profiles and, and gene profiles to identify separate groups of cancers. As I mentioned, the work by Peru and others identified five molecular patterns of cancer. And we're also very interested in women who develop cancer as a result of what are known as the DNA fidelity genes. What we mean by that is, are you keeping your genes clean? Some people have mutations in BRCA1 or BRCA2 or ATM or CHECK2 or others, and they develop accumulations of genetic abnormalities. They, they, they can't seem to keep their house clean, and they ultimately accumulate these cancers, broken genes lead to these cancers. Now, now that can occur in a young population, and, and you know uh, the Angelina Jolie story where she, right. at a young age, suddenly realized she carried this gene, she underwent the surgeries to prevent the risk. Uh, yeah, that's a subpopulation, and they constitute the uh, familial, or what we call germline, cancer predispositions. They are certainly uh, uh, at risk group, but interestingly, the people that carry that, the people at risk for cancer, also have an Achilles heel. It turns out that the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes, uh, because the cells can't repair DNA, are particularly sensitive to some forms of chemotherapy. And we wrote a paper, I hate to say how long ago, it'll be 20 years ago. Oh my. We were one of the first, first to discover in the Journal of Clinical Oncology that these patients can actually do very well. In fact, I'm 
pleased to say that many of my triple negatives and most of my BRCA patients do very well because they are exquisitely sensitive to certain forms of chemotherapies like the platinums. Interesting. Uh, the, the upcoming metastatic breast cancer uh, conference, uh, we should talk about metastatic uh, breast cancer. I have a friend uh, who was diagnosed three years ago with breast cancer and successfully was treated. Um, and uh, last week was told she had 10 small brain tumors, hmm. you know, three years well, later, it, it, which yeah. is devastating to her and to, mm-hmm. and to her family and friends. Mm-hmm. Is, is it well, common for it to, to spread? That's what metastatic means. Yes, metastatic or stage four breast cancer means that it is spread. On, first of all, cancers are nefarious and can go anywhere. So brain or bone or liver or lung, or it's almost impossible to predict where. Brain is certainly a site that it can show up in. Uh, of the 268,000 more or less breast cancers that will be diagnosed this year, luckily only about 6 to 10% are metastatic at presentation. So we're, we're, we're fortunate to say that it at least is not common to have it widely spread when you first find it. However, 20 to 30 plus percent of patients who have early stage disease ultimately recur. So metastatic breast cancer is a major public health issue. And yes, it is a, a hurdle that we're still trying to get over in terms of saving these lives and durably getting these patients in remission. Now, let's uh, let's uh, uh, talk about Robert, okay? Why you became a doc and um, uh, you went to McGill in uh, in Montreal, my father-in-law is from Montreal, and um, I've been there a couple times. It's a great city, great food city. Uh, but you you're also a researcher as well as seeing patients. You've got a, a surgery I think scheduled in 20 minutes from now. Right. 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 Um, I hope it's an easy one. The patient is. I hope it's a, a not a not a serious one. Um, why did you become a doc, and uh, how did you get involved in both seeing patients and research? Because that's kind of an un- unusual combination. Maybe a little. Um, first of all, I'm a fourth generation. My son is now in medical school, so there's four generations of us in medicine, from my grandfather and, and through all the way to me and my son. And medicine for me was a calling. It was never a question in my life that I'd be a doctor. I, I loved it from the, from the moment I knew what I was talking about. Um, In terms of going into cancer, I had originally not expected to do that, but I found myself in a research laboratory doing basic research. I published some papers and everything went from there. My own work is what's called translational research. And translational research, as it sounds, takes a basic science idea and turns it into a practical and useful idea. And I think we need much, much more of that. Unfortunately, today, many medical doctors become very good at clinical diagnosis and clinical therapy, and many scientists become very smart about the scientific basis of cancer, but there's a growing gap between them. And so the PhDs, the scientists, who are doing all this great discovery work, turn around to the doctors and say, gee, I have this great idea, and I'd like you to try it. And I think the problem there is what the doctors should be doing is saying, gee, I have this problem, can you solve it? You see, I think we've, we've kind of right. got the whole thing backwards. So what I like to do in my clinical work is, is to say, well, what, what is, why is it that this patient does badly or this patient does well? And then I go back to the laboratory where we do something called tissue culture. And in tissue culture, we isolate cancer cells from patients. We put them into an environment where we can test them. And then we add the drugs and combinations and sequences 
to see, well, does this class of drug or this class of drug influence it? And we just submitted a paper about a week ago on the brand newest class of drugs, which uh, target the um, insulin signaling and, and what's called the phosphoinosyl kinase signaling. And my uh, son, actually, I'm proud to say, joined me on that paper. Oh, so we're, we're working. Yeah, we're working. To, to come up with brand new ways to do this. We've been studying this one compound for five years and it just in May got an approval. So we think that we can jumpstart new drug development, new thinking by using patient cancer to study, to study the disease. Terrific, congratulations on your son. That's terrific, where's he going to school? Well, he's an undergraduate at Chapman University. My other son is up in Sacramento in medical school. So I've got, I've got two boys both interested in medicine. Wow, even with all the problems of medicine today, with insurance, <laughs> I mean, come on. I've, <laughs> I've, I, I must say I have, I have some misgivings, but if you want to be a doctor, there's really nothing else you can do. Yeah, I guess so. I wanted to be a doctor until I hit trigonometry in high school. Uh, <laughs> or biochemistry. Bio, well, the, the chemistry part was great. I could do that. I couldn't balance the equations, though. There must be something mm. about the math part. Anyway. Um, Dr. Robert Nagorny is going to uh, is the founder and medical director of the Nagorny uh, Cancer Institute in Long Beach, California. Uh, is do you have a website? Yes, yes. Uh, we're Nagorny Cancer Institute. Uh, easy to find on Google or any of the search engines, and uh, we welcome people to come and read about what we're doing. I write regular blogs. There's a lot of great patient testimonials and some wonderful survival stories, even for the most advanced patients. You mentioned the one patient I'm going over to see in a few minutes. This is actually a woman from Canada who's come down yesterday to see us. Uh, she has ovarian cancer, but we will be doing a procedure to isolate these cells. She's had a very tough time with it, and I'm hoping this young woman uh, will, be a, will be a success story. I was reminded of one of my patients who came to me with untreatable ovarian cancer and is now in complete remission 20 Years oh my! After feeling everything, yeah. So we're we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of disease-free survival, contrary to all expectations. We love more stories like that. Thank you. Uh, and if you want to register for the uh, the conference, you can call area code 805-908-2054 or email mbc at County. Org. I'll repeat that email. That's mbc at comanlacounty.org. I'm Mark Allen here on Late Night Health. We'll see you next time.